Welcome to Bloody Good Horror. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Bloody Good Horror. My name is Eric, and I'll be your host for this evening, where we will be reviewing Promising Young Woman. Uh, some very light fare for this evening. Uh, joining me tonight, first up from Chicago, Illinois, uh, looking like one of those like duck hunting brothers. What are the, what are those <laughs> dudes' names? Duck Dynasty. Yes, yeah. those guys. Uh, I mean, they don't they don't corner the market on camo. Like, <laughs> you look like a duck. Don't they? Please welcome Joe. To the show. Oh, I didn't even what? notice the American flag on that hat with black yeah, and buddy. black and it's white. Patriot. I mean, speaking of John, how are you holding up, buddy? I'm sure it was a rough day for you. I mean, <laughs> oh, stop it! Like, you all right? Like, hey, now is the time that we come together and move forward, John. Right? Okay. <laughs> all right. Next up on the show, returning after her debut last week, please welcome Caitlin to the show. Hello. Uh, next up joining us, the business manager at bloodygoodhorror.com. He's straight up with his pop collar right now. Looks like he's wearing, like he's a flasher. Like that's what you look like right now, John. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, I don't even know how to respond. <laughs> you look like a Scooby-Doo man with like, it's like three kids on top of each other, like trying to sneak into a club or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is like a athletic wear under armor thing i don't think the collar goes down so it's weird to you're say like, it was pop you're I like don't know. two steps One away from ticket to a rated r movie please yes. sir. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're like two steps away from peewee's mugshot i'm just saying be careful uh, yeah, yeah, uh yeah. last up joining us tonight still looks like jerry garcia please welcome casey to the show <laughs> it's better than peewee's mugshot <laughs> <laughs> uh we love you john it's okay buddy it's uh, like minutes away from exploding. I yeah, see it. We're fully yeah, minutes. This is low. this is this is light. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> John, that's John's. That that look for John is. I'm just gonna wait until Eric gets it out of his system and it'll be okay. <laughs> there you go. Uh, like I said, we're here tonight to review "Promising Young Woman," directed by Emerald Fennel and uh, starring people you know, like Adam Brody, uh, Carrie mm-hmm. Mulligan, Clancy Brown. Laverne Cox, maybe a little uh, Bo Burnham, randomly in a movie. Clancy Brown, back to back. Back yeah, to back, Clancy feature. Brown. Yeah. Uh, before we do that, Joe, please tell us what we are drinking this week. Beer guts. I'll be honest, I didn't have the beer in front of me because I, I completely lost track of what we were doing. But uh, we're watching Promising Young Woman, a... Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't even know how to begin to, to explain this, but a story of a uh, wonderful woman who works at a coffee shop, John, um, and in honor of that beautiful, sweet, dark elixir, I picked a beer from the good folks at Lakefront Brewing. That's up there in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We uh, we went there at the, uh, yeah, the tenure. I've been there. We, we, we enjoyed some time. 
and the beer I picked from them was their Fuel Cafe Coffee Stout, um, which is a delicious beer. And coffee stouts, one of my favorites. I've I've talked about this before. I've never picked this one. I checked, John, because we have a list. Um, but Lakefront, one of the larger breweries in this uh, Midwest region, I think they distribute pretty far. I know we got them back when I was living in Jersey and in New York. They they get their stuff. So fairly well known. Coffee Stout, I think, is somewhat of a recent addition to their year-round rotation, sometime in like the last couple of years, maybe longer. Uh, but I just discovered it, I think, last year. Comes in at about 6.5% alcohol. And like you expect, it's got a big coffee flavor to it. Very like sort of black coffee with a little bit of like toffee notes and stuff. So I really enjoy it. Like I enjoy that like dark coffee flavor in a stout. Like I the flavors go so well together. It just, just makes me happy. And I think you actually do get a little bit of the caffeine because they use, you know, espresso beans in the um in the roasting process. Um or I, I don't know where which coffee beans they actually use in this, but it's in there. So, uh, so you're going to enjoy yourself. Is this the place uh, that we went on the first night we were in Milwaukee? The first night, yeah. We went for dinner and then uh, kind of just hung out and drank some beers and stuff. They had a super amazing gluten-free beer that was made with ginger that mm. was awesome. I do. Yeah, we have some great photos from that. That was a really fun time, and I really enjoyed that place. Um, lakefrontbrewery.com is their website. Like I say, fairly well known. Their stuff is always good, so you, you can't really go wrong. And uh, if you can find this one, I definitely recommend it. I'm going to sound maybe like an idiot more than usual. Uh, <laughs> that waterfront that it's on, that wasn't a lake, though. That was the river that I, I assume it, runs to the lake. Or was that on the lake? Yeah, no, it was kind of, it was a little more like a man-made tributary. It was like a canal or something. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. I think a river runs through it, John. I don't know. <laughs> Do you remember what kind of fog was there, John? I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember. Mm. Oh, <laughs> you guys, you guys. Oh, Good question, is... John. Though I was trying, I was kind of mulling that over myself. I'm like, I don't remember that being like. <laughs> well, there was a bridge, and I'm like, yeah. In any event, Kaylin, I can were, look it up. Kaylin, were you? Far. Kaylin, that you were, too far. Were you in Milwaukee? I was not. But I will say that um, inside jokes and personal memories make for great radio. So this is this has been great. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Remember Coach Ronka, Eric? (laughs) Dude, he's a dick. (laughs) Screw that guy. All right, guys. It is time. Let's take a quick break and review "Promising Young Woman." This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. John Schnars. Eric. It officially ended today. So uh, do we have your permission to take words back? Can we take them back, please? Ooh. You know, I, all right, so whatever. We don't need to get too into it. But I was actually thinking how nice it is that he does not have the social media anymore. Yeah. Because, like, you just don't even have to think about it anymore. It's yeah. amazing. I think I legit need some kind of daily, like, I think I'm going to set a daily alarm on my phone for, like, five minutes after my alarm just to remind me every day that, like, it's okay now. Yeah. I mean, I just hope he's never allowed back on Twitter because, literally, it's it's been the best week I've had in a while. Yeah. You're not on Twitter. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. The problem it doesn't is matter, all dude. anyone else talks about yeah. is yeah. what <laughs> such and valid. such person said. That's fair. Such and such person. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, John. Eric. Please bring us the word of the day. 
Eric, I have a uh, slight cheat today. Mm. The word is Cassandra, as in the Cassandra metaphor. Uh, sometimes phenomenon, it's, it's usually used to describe a person. Um, but the Cassandra metaphor, I'm going to read from Wikipedia because this isn't like a technical di- dictionary definition. And the Cassandra metaphor, yeah, it's not It's not just a Wayne's World reference. Uh, it relates to a person whose valid warnings or concerns are disbelieved by others. And uh, for, for an origin, the term originates in Greek mythology. Cassandra was the daughter of Priam, the king of Troy. Mm. Struck by her beauty, Apollo provided her with the gift of prophecy. But when Cassandra refused Apollo's romantic advances, he placed a curse ensuring that nobody would believe her warnings. Wow. Ish. John, that might be the most shockingly relevant word of the day you have ever come up with. Yeah. Eric, thank you. It's both respectful enough, and insightful. Work, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jealous yeah, of I mean, So Cassandra is the name of the main character here. She mostly is called Cassie in the film, but... Uh, her parents, who are fairly prominently involved, I believe her, at least they call her Cassandra. Oh, you didn't, I get it. This is what she was named. I didn't put that together. Yeah, yeah, it was literally her name. So this has literally nothing to do with you at all. You just put it together. Well, I mean, I would argue that it is not an accident. No, I understand. That's what I'm saying. I didn't know that. that. I thought you were being smart. What I'm saying is now I understand you were just copying your homework. No, I, I was I was paying <laughs> tribute to the smart thing that Caitlin, the writer Caitlin feels. I mean, I mean, to be so. fair, Eric, you don't think John makes up these definitions every week, <laughs> yeah, do you? You know, like he's getting them from. Someplace. No, no, I just know John was <laughs> watching the movie. homework every week. I just know John was watching the movie and heard that and went, "Oh, sweet, check." So. <laughs> I legit did not think of it until about twenty minutes ago, <laughs> but uh, you know, pretty pleased with myself. All right, John. I'm sure you are. Please uh, tell us about Promising Young Woman. Yeah, Promising Young Woman. Uh, I mean, you teed it up a little bit. This is um, a debut by uh, a woman, Emerald Fennel, who, you know, I did like a little bit of IMDb stalking earlier. Primarily um, an actress. I mean, that's almost all of her credits have been for acting. I think this is her first full length feature. She had done uh, one short previously. Um, I am going to go out on a limb and say she's British just based on the stuff she's been in, but I don't know that I'd seen any of these things. Like, so she's in the crown. Um, she's in a couple other TV shows. I uh, love one called, her called name. The I love her name. Yeah. It's very lyrical. Um, she played Camilla Parker Bowles in, uh, uh, the most recent, uh, she was uh, born 1985 in Hammersmith, London. Uh, there you England. go. So. Thank you, Joe. I hadn't gotten to that point, that part of the IMDb page yet. Um, First sentence. All right, <laughs> 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 I skipped to that part. Is what um, so yeah, right, written and directed by Emerald Fennel, um, starring Carrie Mulligan, and she's been sort of really out front. I mean, I've seen, I read a really nice uh, sort of feature of her uh, online, like a week ago. Like she's been kind of making the rounds um, in support of this movie. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's the story of this woman, Cassandra Cassie, who, um, while in med school, uh, lose So her friend, whose name is Nina, who's not in the film, um, is the victim of a pretty brutal rape situation. I mean, there's there's like details that are that emerge over time, but it's it's not great. Uh, Nina, um, we don't 
it's, I don't think it's ever explicitly spelled out exactly what happened, but effectively Nina is not around anymore. I mean, she, she took her own life sort of because of everything that came from the attack. Um, and so Cassie, who was like her closest friend, both prior to being in med school and then in med school where they were together, um, you know, is carrying a lot of guilt is sort of like working through her grief. And the way we see her doing this is, um, you know, she's living at home. She's working at a coffee shop, as as Joe mentioned. Um, but at night, she goes out to bars, clubs, and effectively, like, pretends uh, or, you know, acts really drunk and, and sort of has men pick her up, who she then scares. I mean, it's, we, you know, some of this is left a little open, I feel like, to interpretation, or or at least, like, it's left somewhat undefined. I mean, we only see a couple of these encounters, but it seems um, like she has killed some people and then she sort of makes a decision based on how they react to the situation, whether or not she's going to kill them or like just scare them. So we should, we should talk about like, I actually don't think that's true at all. Like I would go the exact opposite and say like, she's not killing anyone, but then what do the red checks mean? I I think it's because one, because early on she comes out of one covered in blood. The first one. No, she that's not blood. She's literally from being her a jelly donut. Yeah. Yeah. How the fuck that does one like, get that, that much jelly on your <laughs> No, I mean okay. like so here's the thing. Like and whatever, we can talk about it later because like this movie does a lot of stuff to like challenge our perceptions of like what a film like this is supposed to be about. Effectively, this is a like rape revenge story, right? Like we've seen like, this is like a tr- common trope in horror. Um it's a revenge, you know, she is taking revenge on behalf of her friend. I mean, that, so, so that in itself is like one departure, but the real meat of the story, she meets Bo Burnham. Uh, he, his character's name is, uh, Ryan, Ryan. Yeah. They don't, they don't have, they haven't been like, uh, order that they appear in the movie. Makes it <laughs> tough. Uh, Ryan. So bro, just quick side note. I was familiar with Bo Burnham's name and I've seen yeah, eighth grade, I was not aware of what he looked like. So when I, I thought it was oh, a different person. And I was like, huh, this is Bo Burnham, I guess. He okay. looks like what I believe he is, which is like a super nerdy homeschooled kid who grew up Christian or something. <laughs> I think that's, hmm. I think that's his story. like youth pastor yeah, vibes, vibes about him. Yep. Yeah. Um, wh- He's, that, he's got he that was- horse, horseman show on Netflix, right? Is he in that? He's Bo- got a couple. He's got a stand- Bo Burnham Jack Horseman or something. Oh, okay, never mind. That, yeah. Ignore Joe. Ignore Joe. Bo Burnham Jack Horseman. Yeah, cut him off. Move forward. So, <laughs> Bo Jack, Bo Bo Jack Bur- Burnham. Bo Jack, Bo Jack Burnham. Burnham. AKA Ryan uh, oh, comes God. into comes into Cassie's life, and it kind of becomes this moment of I don't want to say like normalization, but she he seems to be helping her kind of move a little bit beyond he makes her start to, he makes her start to believe that she there maybe there's a part of her that could heal and like have a yeah. quote-unquote normal life and you know and then that it doesn't come to you know necessarily great ends and i don't want to like we should we should talk obviously about how this, this is, thing unfolds and it's a new, it's a new movie it's on demand we should point out spoiler alert because it's it's it is there's a lot to it. So we're not going to be able to like get into it without really spoiling it. So I would just put that down right now. Yeah. Um, Jojo. Uh, yeah, I didn't fully know what to, to expect from this movie. I, I think I was, I think expecting a little more by the numbers sort of revenge movie. Um, and this is hundred percent, not what this is. Um, Leslie and I watched this together and we both really enjoyed it. Um, 
you know, a, as much enjoying it sounds weird to say, but like we both thought it was great. Um, you know, the, the main character Cassandra, I think has like so many layers to her and depth. Like it's not just going around and seeking revenge on everyone. Right. There's a lot more to it than that. And just, it's also just one gut punch after another that like you don't actually see coming, which I, I think makes it a lot harder to watch a, a lot of these scenes. Um, side note, I watched this high, which was a terrible idea. <laughs> Bad idea. Um, <laughs> oh my God, dude. Literally by the end, I'm like, Leslie and I looked over and I'm like, I am a hundred percent sober. Like I don't feel anything anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I thought she was amazing. Like I thought she was such an amazing actress in this and you know even the supporting obviously a lot of the characters in this are just like straight up awful but like you really feel it um so yeah overall i was a big fan kayla so i, I had to write a lot of these notes down because i thought i might get um emotional not in the sense that you know i would get choked up but there's just a lot to to think about here um and i keep abbreviating it when i write Promising Young Woman as PYW, and I, my mind goes to PYT, which is not where I was where about I to say the same thing. Yeah, that's a lot happier than PYT. Yeah. Um, I went in extremely skeptical um, about this movie. Um, oftentimes when we're given a movie with the rape revenge trope, we get like a watered down black and white hashtag yes queen version of it that cheapens the real trauma that a lot of survivors of sexual assault are working through. Um, and I think a good example of it done wrong is the perfection which came out a couple years ago um it does that in a really reductive way the bad guys are like a secret order of men operating behind closed doors committing acts of evil um and it's like what a 15 year old boy might think about a rape revenge movie um and i, I just really hated that and i was like i don't know i don't know if i want to watch this one because i feel like we're gonna get more of that um so I was ready to hate it, but I really, really ended up loving it. Uh, I feel like it had the emotional impact and nuance that the perfection and movies like it wish it had. Um, and it does it with humor and intensity and passion. Um, it's not black and white. The bad guys aren't, you know, this like secret order of men. We really see sort of like the banality of evil. It is the ladies in our book club. It is the men we love sometimes. Um, and I feel like that's what makes this movie so impactful and so meaningful and good. Um, so yeah, I really liked it despite heavy skepticism. The writing is really good. The cast is stacked. Um, like we said, double double feature Clancy Brown. <laughs> um, yeah. And I have personally have been blasting the soundtrack on repeat the last few days. The soundtrack is um, amazing. It, it slaps. I know that a lot of people are, you know, we've we've commented in Slack about the the toxic cover, the you know, like sort of orchestral Dude, cover. Of toxic I'm sitting there listening years. to it and I'm like, it's so, it's so like distorted and slowed down and I'm like, what is this riff? But I want you to know, Caitlin, that I totally called it. I'm, I'm it's really in the happy. trailer, isn't it? I think they used it in the trailer. Yeah, I'm not yeah. But there, but you don't hear the words here. I think in the trailer there's words, no, but this is just the riff. Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, I don't name it, but yeah, I agree. It's choice. But I, I mean, really, and you know, we won't. I won't spoil it right at the top. But the song that they play at the end, uh, especially, has been it just like really clenched it, and I've been blasting that one. Uh, but yeah, I feel like this one, they really pulled it off. It's a hard trope to get right. Um, and they nailed it. You can tell that this was a rape revenge movie written by women. Whereas something like the perfection certainly was not. 
I'm going to look it up and just, well, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I did. I did beforehand. There was a, there was a woman on the production team, but it was, Not that was a, a the time. Yeah, John. <laughs> John, Caitlin, Caitlin does research. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Casey, what about you, buddy? So, yes, I love this movie too. And Jesus Christ, what a movie. Uh, you're going to feel wrung out after this one, I would imagine, uh, watching it, but it's worth the trip just to see it unfold. I think this is one of the rare moments that just about everything with in this movie kind of comes together. Different levels of greatness coming together just to make a complete great whole. The side characters, the main characters, the writing, everything. And just as you're watching all this stuff, you see you, you see this stuff happening on the news. Uh, I'd mentioned Brock Turner in the email. And it's the same kind of situation. But, and you know when you're reading that as a normie like us, then you're reading that story and you think how awful that has to be for the parents. But I think they got to really, or for the friends and family and everything with the, when they're going through that and you see how you get to see it play out in real time here and see how much it affects people. And I think they got a really realistic look and to echo it, like what Joe and Caitlin have been saying too, they did this rape revenge movie without making you feel sleazy for watching it. You go back to like the, like the classic of that just subgenre, I spit on your grave and you feel pretty greasy just watching it. And they don't get lewd about it at all in here. There's things that are happening, but they don't linger on it. You don't have those uncomfortable shots. Everything's got a purpose and it's just a really well put together movie. Uh, I mean, to be clear, I didn't feel great after watching it. Like I didn't. (laughs) Kaylin, you, (laughs) Kaylin, you like, Oh, John, you go. Ooh, I almost ran over you. Boom. Got it. I thought you were going to keep your streak alive. (laughs) (laughs) Getting them here. We'll circle, we'll circle back to that. Okay. I feel like otherwise I'm like, you know, at the front of the list, but here we are. John, what did you think of this movie before I tell people what I think? Yeah, I mean, look, like this is going to be a little bit of a love fest, but I think it's 100% appropriate because it's just a really, really good movie. Like, um, it I, it's so well put together. Yeah. Um, that's what just impressed me, you know, from the beginning. I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about the music. I think the art direction and I mean, she costumes. may this this woman may have been mostly an actress before, but like I assure you that this is a director and that that oh, is what well, she is going dude, to do now. Uh, yeah, the writing. I mean, the yeah. script is like it's blown, pretty flawless. blown away. I mean, look, there are like I, whatever we we could like come up with things to, to like nitpick, but it would be it would be nitpicking. Like it's it's a it's a really sort of it it's an important movie for all the reasons you all hit on, right? And it's it's exploring a difficult topic, and I, I would argue using genre tropes to like almost maximum impact in a lot of places because it's subverting them it's denying you the arc of the story that you you know you want that you want her to be killing people like that would be the like easier film to make in a lot of ways and it's why you know and i was saying like like i whatever we can get into like a close reading of the script or the of the film but like i don't think there's any way you could argue like that she is killing people but like it's also left open enough that you could say like yeah i'd you know it's like an out almost for you as the audience um I loved all the side characters. Like she's amazing. Uh, Carrie Mulligan. She's, you know, Carrie Mulligan is like rightly held up. I think it's like one of the great actresses right now. And, but everybody else that's in this, the men that are in this movie, like tip of the hat, because like they're all playing Ooh, scum. John. No, but like, they're, look, they're like, <laughs> they're signing up to like, they're putting themselves out there as like, I'm going to play this pretty vile. Yeah. Person. yeah. Well, and there, there are cultural nice guys too. Like, 
outside of the roles they played in this movie, they're sort of like, it's McLovin. Like, oh. Yeah, that's a really good point. The casting is very on the nose like that. Yeah. McLovin's been trying to get out of being. Dude, literally the second I saw him, I went, ooh. Like, (laughs) (laughs) just, just, yeah. But but I think that makes it pretty spot on casting. How about um, Sam Richardson, who's the guy from uh, Detroiters and uh, what the hell is that? The other show on Netflix, Joe. Oh my God! Yes, Bo that Burnham, honestly, Bo Burnham, I love Jack that guy Horseman. so much, and it broke my heart to see him in this role. <laughs> who is? I don't know. Who, I don't know who you guys are talking he's, about. He was the black guy who's in the beginning, yeah, and the... then he comes back later in the dude. And like the... honestly, one of my favorites too was like Alfred Molina's turn. Like that dude oh is God. one of the best actors alive. Like he is incredible. Yeah. Well, Laverne Cox in like I, I was I appreciated that it was just like they let Laverne Cox like she's just in this movie. Is like a, she an just is and, a person. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Um, she's great. So yeah, I mean, whatever, top to bottom, like we, we should get into, like, I think there's so much nuance Yes, and like so much of the impact of the film is actually in the nuance. Um, I think and we I'm, obviously, I think we got to talk about the ending. I think I might have something to say about the nuance, John. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, Kaylin, you summed up a lot of my issues with similar movies like this in a much more succinct and eloquent way than I've ever been able to. So like, I'm not even going to retread it again other than just to say, thank you. Um, what makes this movie different? This movie is incredible. This script is incredible. The direction is like spot on. It's an incredibly ambitious film in the amount and scope and like just depth of what it's trying to take on. Instead of going like Caitlin, you're saying the reductionist route, right? Or the potentially reductionist route. It's not to say all examples of that are, but it can't, right? Where we focus on the act and we focus on the physical revenge. I've said this on shows before where like, I feel like focusing on the physical revenge part takes away everything else. Like you're saying, Caitlin, but like what this movie does that blew me away. And I legit, I don't think I've ever seen a movie in the genre that has ever done this as well. It is not like comically evil people, right? This movie shows the way that everyday mundane people are part of this sort of wide, insidious cultural thing that makes it impossible for women in these situations most of the time to find justice. And well, it really puts into perspective what <clears throat> what rape culture means. Because I feel like that term gets thrown around a lot in academic yeah. spaces or in activist spaces, as, as it should. It's a relevant and important topic to talk about. But I think a lot of people still have that idea kind of like we see in The Perfection, which I keep harping on because it's a shitty movie. But um, where it's like... Perfection, I'll tell you. (laughs) So bad. But it's like, that's like evil men doing shit behind closed doors, a secret order. Like, you know, we're supposed to hate them. But when we're talking about... that could be someone I know. But it it tends to cheapen it, right? And like what this movie does does is it... I just like, I'm just continually being blown away by how much they're taking on and how well it's all done. It's like she sets them up these archetypes. It's like Alison Brie. It's like the dean of the school, this Alfred Molina character. And then like, these are all sort of like real life archetypes and people that would have been revolving around a similar situation in real life. And she, she makes them real people. She's like, here's the reason why these people are not willing to go to bat for this woman, but guess what? Like this also sucks and we're not forgiving this person for doing this. Like I think in, I think in particular, like Alfred Molina is really interesting because he shows so much. There are characters who do really bad things and have enabled this person who then show remorse. And then through our main character, we're able to sort of like acknowledge their remorse and also say like, no, I don't forgive you. 
that's like an incredibly nuanced take that you do not normally get in these in these kinds of movies. Um, I well, also nothing about this is wrapped up with a bow, um, including yeah. the ending, which we can get into. But none of it sort of it's not in, clean. The, in, the, in the way that real life happens. None of it's going to come perfectly packaged. Justice isn't going to be yeah. perfect. Revenge isn't going to be perfect. It's and... not it's not clean or cheap at all, like uh, on the, in the issues that it's taking on. And like on top of it, I mean, no, it's not fun, but it's entertaining. Like it moves really well. The music is incredibly well chosen. There's some really incredible set design employed at certain times like even just little subtle things like the her parents living room is so weird and off-putting the living room that she has that conversation with allison brian like that room is a character in that scene and and plays into why it's so uncomfortable when allison brie walks in and you see her she looks around at it yeah 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 and so um but but that is what i think this movie does that other movies don't do it it lays out how real people um, enable this type of behavior by not being brave enough to speak up. And that is not always accomplishing. Like she, like you're saying, Caitlin, like she literally was like, okay, what is rape culture? Here it is. A, B, C, D, E, F. Here it is in characters that all have to do with this plot. And then here's how I'm going to wrap it all up at the end. And it's just, I'm kind of blown away by it, honestly. Yeah. It's really intentional and really thoughtful. Um, down to the score, down to the costuming. Um, I feel like a lot of thought went into this and, and I appreciate it because it really is a hard trip to pull off. And I was super skeptical, was ready to hate it, but I, I just can't, they did a great job. It's fantastic. I, th- I think it also like, it goes a long way towards uh, like the Carrie Mulligan character is so well-rounded. She allows her moments where she can be this kind of like revenge badass in a way that gives the audience some catharsis. But then, by the end of the movie, she's really well fleshed out as like a vulnerable, vulnerable person that has been very like kind of broken down by this journey she's been on. I, so, yeah, we get to see good development with Cassie throughout from the beginning yeah. to the end of this movie, especially based around her relationship with Bo Burnham as they go through that movie. You really see growth. It's not necessarily you wouldn't say that it, you'd see her seen her change, but you saw the growth and the, the development in her character, which was nice. Well, so I was actually gonna say like one of the things that makes this a hard watch, like an enjoyable but tough watch is like like her pain yeah. is so palpable. palpable from the very first. Like even when she's like quote unquote being like tough, it's like it's layered coming from a place of like real darkness and sadness. Yeah. And yeah. it was I mean, that's what, like, I, I think I, when I first responded, I responded, like, right after I finished watching this movie because it was, like, such a, you know, emotional experience. And, like, I said, I had, like, a knot in my stomach, but it's primarily from, like, you know, empathizing with her and going right. on this ride. Now, I, I don't know. I don't, I, there's, like, a lot of things I want to say, but I want to, like, put down the generalized spoiler warning because I feel like I'm going to get into. Yeah, we can just transition at this but, point to, like, hardcore spoilers. Yeah, mm. they, to me, the the most impactful thing and like this is like partially just like my personal life experience there were two things the relationship with Bo Burnham it it's beautiful like it's just so it's it's like a great 
on-screen romance. They, they have a ton of chemistry together. Yeah. yeah. John, I've been dancing to Stars Are Blind in my kitchen, imagining I'm with Bone Burnham in a pharmacy like all week. That's <laughs> so charming. I didn't know Leslie, that. Leslie, like, called charming. the twist halfway through the movie, and I had not thought of it, and it gutted me. <laughs> so at some point, at some What's point. I think every woman saw it coming. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think the fact, the fact early on that how tied in this incident was with her school and the fact that he also went there. I feel at some point I was like, there's some, like there's gotta well, there's be something. Yeah. Well, I, you had a hunch that something was wrong with him, but then like, you know, I was expecting towards the end, like he was going to try and attack her or something. I didn't piece together that he was probably in the room, um, which like yeah. side note, Caitlin, I don't know what your like feelings were after, but Leslie hated my guts for a good 25 minutes. Like just in <laughs> general, like, <laughs> No, but that's actually Joe. Like that's, I mean, again, like speaking from a male's point of view, like that was the other thing that, that makes this movie like hard is, and you know, Caitlin, I think you kind of hit on this, like the, this, this idea of challenging rape culture and like, but doing it in, in a way that it actually like felt productive, at least to me, because like we all, like, I know people who say inappropriate shit about women. I don't, maybe I do know people who have been involved in events like this. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, you almost certainly do. And that's, that's kind of the point of the movie. We all do. Exactly. But like what I do know, and it like happens with like, not it's happened less frequently in my life. Like just as I've gotten older and I like hang out with less douchebags, but like just men who will say like random shit to you. Like I've been at work events where like the guy will say something like a guy who's like a work colleague or a, client will say something inappropriate about it, like a waitress. And you're just like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah, you know, like yeah, just, yeah. And so like, it's that culture that this movie like forces at least the male viewer and like female viewer, I assuming are having a are different experience. Nodding it, along like, like, yes, this is, yeah. Yeah. It's no, like, yeah. check. Yep. Check. Yeah. Yep, right. Check, exactly. Yep. And, <laughs> well, and so I don't know, but it also, it didn't feel, it didn't feel exploitative. The, the, <laughs> I would say, and when I say that, I mean like, these men weren't like caricatures. Like they weren't. No. And that's, were, that's the kind of what's very a, believable. That's kind of yeah. what's amazing yeah. about what she's accomplishing here is, is kind of, yeah, yeah. what I'm saying. Well, yeah. and that's, that's it, what I was talking about. The banality of, of evil. It's, yeah. it is the girl in your book club and the girl that you went to school with. It is, you know, your friend's boyfriend. It is, it's people that, you know, and I think that's, you know, we've talked about it already, so I don't want to beat it, but it's just, it's so hard to pull off and they did it. Really, really exceptional. And every one of those. I thought, uh, ahead, I thought the Connie Britton scene was like Oof. one of the best moments of explaining that too. Just from listening to her talk and her reasoning of what she did back then and whatnot. It's like, who am I supposed to believe? What yeah. am I supposed to do? You well, just, you can't take everybody's word. And every one of those characters has a specific purpose in the movie, which is to deconstruct yeah. an existing like myth and excuse that people use to like not get involved, right? Like none of those, none of those encounters are like mushy in their messaging. Like every single one of those Mm -hmm. people have like analogous versions in real life or like arguments that get said all the time. Right. Like it's almost like, like this is so weird, like kill bill, like the way it's like setting up a list and then each person is like a specific point along the journey and they all sort of lead into the bigger thing. No, Eric, there were literal check marks. On That's the what screen. I'm saying. Like, yeah. yeah. Like it's, there's something almost like, but in that way there's, a, it's like there are moments where it's almost like pulpy. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think that's the genre mechanics like that. She clearly understands and is bringing to bear, but in a, just in a different context. So, well, it's nice outside. Eric sent us a link today 
that had an interview with the director and talking about her views on the ending of this movie and whatnot. And some of the things she had to say in there that you would normally expect some of the genre payoffs when you get to the end of this movie instead of what unfolded and everything. And then I liked her point of view though, where she says you could do, she could do that. She had plans to do that, but then it's not being true to the character and the events that are happening and keeping it realistic, which I thought was pretty brave move. And it turned out to be pretty powerful. I, I would like to stay for the record too, that Elizabeth sent me that link and I am not. Yes. I did not go and find that on my own, Casey. <laughs> Eric, there was never a point where I thought you were searching. <laughs> I know you didn't, John, yeah, I didn't but I just it. wanted Sorry. to make that clear. Um, the other thing I wanted to hit on really quick, and we talked about a little bit of email, but the the parents, oh, um, just it's it's almost like its whole own unique thing because what you basically have is this portrait of these two parents who have a daughter who is dealing with like very intense mental health things. They've basically, I mean, they've, you know, we don't see like every minute of their lives, but like what you read from the film is like, they've been as supportive as they possibly can. Like she's like living at home at the age of 30. She's dropped out of medical school. Um, and you know, they're they're but they're also, it's like impacted their lives. Like they're sad, you know, like the parents don't seem like they want to fix it. The line that, the line that, the line that broke me though is when it's after dinner and the parents have met Ryan and they're, you know, seeing her smile and, you know, joking around for the first time in probably years. And they talk about how, you know, Nina was like a daughter to them and they miss her like hell, but boy, did we miss you. Oh. And I was just like, Oh yeah. God, like, yeah. you know, I've, my poor parents have seen me struggle with, you know, depression and, and mental illness and God damn, like that was, that yeah, was bro. brutal. I mean, it's so beautiful, but really, really like it that's the gut punch. Heartbreaking. Like I can't even yeah. imagine because like, as a parent, there's stuff that I see my kids struggle with that I want to help them with, but there's just no way to fix it. And like, this is like nine year old stuff. Like Kaylin, I can't yeah. imagine dealing with like these type of issues and just feeling like completely helpless. So like, yeah, that line, like I was a blubbering mess after that came Kaylin, in. Kaylin, you sort well, of mentioned honestly, too over email though, an important point that even like at the end, even her father kind of falls into the same societal traps of like feeding into the idea that she would might've been unstable or something. Well, and I think that's, I feel, you know, I feel like Bo Burnham, if we're, are we full on spoilers now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the so. thing yeah. that re- is, it breaks our heart that he, one, was a part of it, a part of the video at least. Two, you know, he doesn't try to make amends when she confronts him and she, he calls her a fucking failure, which was also a gut oh, punch. Like, yeah. And when the detective comes to sort of figure out what happened, he also had the opportunity again to do the right thing and still didn't. Bro, no one has ever looked more guilty than Bo Burnham talking to that detective. He literally <laughs> yeah. couldn't look him in the eye and he just was like sweating, just like, oh, uh, yeah, uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> but that's like, that's the like, but the detective wants to, you can see the detective wants to believe whatever he says. Exactly. The detective's just like, we're, we're, we're bros. Like whatever you can tell me, you know, it, no, the thing with the dad, it was, it's tough because he, it's not that he's like throwing Cassie under the bus. He's like acknowledging that she's had mental health issues. What almost like bothered me more was that he cut the mom off, you know, like to me, the mom seemed like she wanted to like push the issue with the detective and the dad kind of steps in to say, no, she's had problems, you know, and that's mm. it was like yeah. such a subtle moment. The parent, the thing I loved about the parent, not to like harp too much on the parents, they only have like 10 lines in this movie. Like they're literally they're in a lot of scenes, but it's just them sitting there looking hangdog, sad, like so old and like, oh, 
you know, and like, it's just, it's so impactful the way they were used. I love the way they were framed on the other side of the table from her. It's yeah. just, uh, well, yeah, they, they really- set, they set up the family, her family perfectly too. When she came out for her birthday, forgot it was her birthday and her mom's like, got your yeah. present. It's like, uh, it's your birthday. Did you forget that they gave her a freaking suitcase? It's like, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. A nice suitcase. Very expensive. It was nice. Yeah, yeah. suitcases are expensive. Yeah. But I well, got the, there the is... idea she wasn't traveling much. John, don't, <laughs> John, don't ever buy me a suitcase, okay? I just want you. It's not. I don't want but a suitcase. That, that's where the, the humor does come in. Like, there are really funny moments. She spits yeah. in his coffee while looking in his eyes. Like, those are funny moments, you know? Oh, I fell in love with her in that moment. Like, <laughs> I got it. I got why he kept going back to that coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> uh Oh, uh, and uh, I mentioned on the pre-show <laughs> that uh, she made me want to paint my nails because she had really fun nails throughout the movie. She did it. They were very well maintained, too. It was like yeah. never. You know, but yeah. that's kind of what I mean, too. Like, that's part of the boldness of the movie. And then it, it's not afraid to make, like, almost fun stylistic choices. Like, you know what I mean? But done in a way that doesn't take away from the kind of weight of the subject matter. Yeah. <sighs> do we want to, do we just want to, like, Get into the ending. Yeah, Oof. go for Get it. The ending. Uh, this so, scene, this scene where she confronts them and then uh, gets killed, like murdered, is one of the like hardest things I think I've ever sat through. Oh my god, it was yeah. so long, very long, like, extended. Yeah, yeah, but it was like, almost like the one of the biggest sucker punches we've seen movie wise, just because they're setting you up. We're kind of waiting for that genre payoff because we've seen the genre mechanics so much, and then they do a complete. 180 away from what you're expecting to see you go the completely opposite direction it left me with my jaw drop just like i <laughs> like was waiting for some sort of supernatural twist where she came back right like, i think it wasn't until they show that shot of her in the mud um yeah, after her, they, her fingernails. Much, yeah. yeah and i'm just like you holy find shit out she man. had a syringe <laughs> hidden somewhere or something like yeah. that and show that could be the sequel like i don't think you should write it off oh. yet so know? then <laughs> at that so then at that point like the movie isn't so, over, right? She's dead, well, and we're still just there crazy. with the dudes. It becomes very strange when you're like, we're just here with the dudes now. Yeah. Um, and we then go to, like, they burn her body, and then it kind of just cuts to, like, I think, I don't know, is there more investigating? I think the investigating scene is A little then, bit of right? investigating, and then we jump to the wedding. And then we much. go to the wedding, where yeah. she basically has, like, time-released all of this information text, yeah. to get sent out, and then we find out she sent stuff to Alfred Molina, who we know from earlier was trying to find a way to make amends. So the cops show up to the wedding. It's a very like, it's, it's a very kind of, um, movie esque. Like it's the most movie kind of thing in the whole movie, I guess, if that makes yeah. sense. Well, well, Mondo made a point on Slack saying that sometimes police do use events like that in order to yeah. sort of, uh, spring it on everyone so that they can't sort of say like, Oh, you know, cops are onto us. You should probably run, but I, they did it all at once. And the payoff for us as viewers is so good. And yes, I the guess use of angel of the morning in that scene. That oh, situ- oh my God. Like, when they- I guess what I mean by movie, what I mean by movie esque is it's like the film's biggest nod to catharsis. Well, yeah, yeah. that for sure. It, the The whole second half of this film is a little bit of a um, like classic crime or like not detective story. Like it's the almost the inverse. It's a crime story, right? Like there's a lot of pieces that need to fit together for this thing to like work yeah. in the end. And she does a. I mean, we've like raved about the script, but like the director does a really good job of teeing those things up 
so that when they happen, they don't feel like a surprise. It doesn't feel, Eric, to, like, to your point, it doesn't feel like a movie cheat totally. that this shit's all coming together this way. Um, because no, it, I've seen know, movies with, attempt a lot less and do it a lot friggin' worse. <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. And like, it, again, it's just, it's all set up pretty well. She's been planning this thing. We see her close down her Facebook account. Like there's like, I don't know. There's a yeah. lot of signals about sort of what's going on. But so the, here's the question. What's interesting, so, John, did you read that article? I, Cause no, she no, says I in that article, that. the death was a, supposed to be the original ending. And so, basically the people she was trying to get money from were like, no, like you cannot make a movie with that ending. So she's so like, thing, she compromised in, in the article is like, I'm really happy with where it ended up, but that wasn't like, and I can, I almost felt that watching it. Like you could feel that maybe this in some iteration ended here. Well, well I, when I was talking, I was talking to Joe, not BGH Joe on Slack, our friend Joe F. And uh, he was talking about how it almost becomes more impactful because the only way that justice is even served, and it's not, not for Nina, because right. Nina doesn't really get justice. Yeah. But the only way that it happens is at the expense and the assault of another woman. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a good point. Yeah. So this yeah. Leslie brought up this question like after we watched it, like, do you think she sacrificed herself? Like you knew, like she knew she was gonna die. I like, kind of felt, yeah. So I think I she thought, knew it was a possibility. Yeah, I was gonna say there was like chatter. I feel like about that maybe on that's Slack also or addressed in that article as well. Well, because my read was like she certainly didn't go to that house with like she has a death wish. Yeah, in the sense that like someone with like you know, severe mental health issues, like doesn't care about their own well-being. you know, at times like that's like a symptom, but she didn't like plan to die. Like she was, I don't know. Like I just felt like the way that it transpired, like she it was seemed actually, like she knew it was, there's a high possibility, which is why mm -hmm. she had this plan in place basically. Mm -hmm. Yes. And yeah. she probably, I mean, I, I can only assume that the like criminal part of the, like, you know, getting the charges or like, well, because you're right, though, but if she doesn't die, they don't get arrested. Sure, but she would have, like, I think, the again, my I guess my read on it was, like, the original plan was she goes there to get the satisfaction of getting the truth, yeah. which has been denied, Like you know? Right up until the end, too, this script is hammering home all of this rape culture stuff. Like, after the murder, the next day, when um, Max something, the new the guy from New Girl... Joe, Joe is his name. Joe is his name. Joe, what's yeah, well, his last name? Joe. What, no, what's so, his real name? You know, it's Max name. Max Greenfield. Okay. So he, he's John, so good at John, being... list in order which of the male characters you like the best. Do you go through that? <laughs> no, but he, no, he's... I gotta, I gotta get my shot. He is so good at being scummy. And like, like I said, even in this scene, this script is continuing to reinforce all these themes, right? Like it is so pointed to me when he is comforting this dude the next day and he's being like none of this is your fault. And he's saying it like over yeah. and over and over Ugh. in a very like, like that was very much being uh, like a point being put on that by the script. Like the sort of way that his actions are being excused by other people. Well, that and the fact that once he stormed up, came upstairs the next morning at the cabin, he didn't even hesitate. He's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get rid I of did, this and, and we're going to shut up. It's also funny <laughs> and in an uncomfortable way, right? Because he's like, wait a second, you killed the stripper. And then he goes, what is this, a 90s movie? Which made me laugh because I was thinking yeah. about very bad things, yeah. which is like one yeah. of my favorite movies. Like, so it's a movie that sort of dares you to laugh sometimes too. Yeah. yeah. By the way, for the record, seeing Schmidt be one of these douchebags was like my biggest heartbreaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's so close to that. And like, you know, the 
the the new girl version of him is just like a whitewashed version of that dude, right? Like, well, the, no, new girl though, he's more in love with himself. He's not gross towards women necessarily. He's just in love with himself. <laughs> well, he he's is a little gross. Jason. I just yeah. rewatched it. He wouldn't have burned his body, but like, yeah. wow, <laughs> John, if he's put in the situation, you don't know. I've so, never seen this show either. I, I mean, either so. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like, again, right up until the end, like, these points are just all being reinforced. Like, I I say this, I've said this hundreds of times on this show, but I deeply appreciate movies where everything feels meticulously purposeful. And this is definitely one of those movies. Yeah, I did like the extending end is the the ending of this as we start to see everything unfold is about the time Bo Burnham started getting the uh, ghost text on his phone and you start to see what's going on and watching all that unfold and the way it was shot and the pacing of it and everything, you start to hear sirens in the background slowly getting louder and stuff. It was just great as it all crescendoed up to this big mass ending. There's also Angel of the Morning being the song that overlays it is truly (laughs) <laughs> there's a there's another scene there's another scene too that highlights some of the, some of these um things i i'm just remembering I, kaylin maybe you remember what character it is but like there is a character who straight up asks her for forgiveness which is like well, like alfred molina does alfred alfred molina, molina, yeah. right yeah. and it's like that is that's also a thing right like sort of you see this with a lot of somebody like louis ck or something right like act like openly asking women that you've wronged to like offer you forgiveness to make them feel better. And maybe he's the one that she literally says to him, like, no, like, I don't forgive you. You know what I mean? Um, I think she does, though, doesn't she? Yeah, I think, I think she did forgive him. Because he's the only one that is remorseful without getting caught, right? Like, every other right. guy in this movie starts to regret it after she calls them out. Whereas well, before she, she shows starts, up at his door and he's already in he's like ready. a bad state. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that was right after Allison Brie, where you're sitting there thinking this, and you see she's getting drunker and drunker, but you're thinking, oh, she's actually she's going to end up owning up to the what she's done and how it was bad or something. She keeps going, and she starts pulling out the phone, and here's the video, and you think, oh, this is where she's going to redeem herself, and Dude, she's like, yeah, we all fucking laugh. The fact that she produced a video after all of those years is disgusting. Like it's yeah. one of the it's one of the like most impactful things in the movie to me. The idea, and it's all, I mean, it's its sort of suggested, right? It's like all, you have to, you put it together. Like, she watched this girl, we never told, but probably commit suicide. Like, she knew that happened. She's seen what it's done to this other woman and kept it to herself, like, all this yep. time. And then the real, like, gut punch at the end is her being like, never fucking contact me again. And yeah. it's like, you really see, I don't know, man, you, it, that that whole scene is very illuminating, I think. Well, and yeah. I, because it's not because really it's not appreciated... it's not just men. Like there are multiple women in this movie taking a task for their own role in well, perpetuating yeah, things. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, and I like that they. One thing that I appreciated about this is that we are getting it sort of secondhand. It wasn't Cassie who was assaulted. It was Nina, and she says Nina's name repeatedly to the people that assaulted her or excuse the assault, and that's really important to me. I feel like you know. When she's talking to, um, I think his name's Al in the movie, the guy cuffed to the bed, um, saying like, you know, all all people could say when they looked at her was your name, and now, you know, she's gonna have her name forever on you. I was just like, yeah. ooh, <laughs> I yeah. wish we could have seen it happen, but you know. That shot of her Nina pendant in the ashes after you saw her pendant earlier in the envelope yeah. was like the extra haul off and kick him after you've already knocked him out move yeah and just like her hand like it, it was all pretty yeah pretty yeah. Up. 
Uh, so what else, everyone? <laughs> did uh, did you guys see the Easter egg? And maybe this was obvious, but the um, the director uh, has a, a cameo in the movie no. as the uh, YouTube makeup person. The credit yes. is house host of blowjob. Oh, that video. Yeah. Oh my god, yes, <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! There was one other Easter egg. Uh, Joe had pointed it out to me. Um, the parents are watching. Fuck, I will have to scroll back to find it. But the parents are watching a movie about a wolf in sheep's clothing right before they meet uh, Bo Burnham's character. Oh, oh nice. shit! And I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, and we we mentioned her earlier too. But I just I I really enjoy Laverne Cox, and I liked their relationship together was really sweet. Like she kind of knows what Carrie Mulligan's going through and Carrie Mulligan's like admittedly a really shitty employee. And there's a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of comedy that goes around that, but I, I enjoyed like the, it's a little antagonistic, but also she has a lot of like, I feel like, um, love and sort of protectiveness for Carrie Mulligan's character. Yeah, and I enjoyed that. Exactly. It was obvious that Laverne had love for her. Kind of like well, the, a mother-child relationship, right? When she pulled out the uh, Cassie necklace at the end, it's sort of like story continues, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> avenge yeah. Cassie. Uh, all right, uh, Caitlin, was there anything else you wanted to uh, bring to us tonight? No, I'm good. All right, then uh, are, we, are you guys ready to wrap? Or is there anything else? No. Yeah. All right. Good, bro. Would you recommend this movie, Joe? Uh, yeah, definitely. Caitlin? Yes. Casey? Yes. Schnars. Yes. Yeah. Also, big, big yes for me. I think this is, uh, I think this will be on a lot of, like, high up on a lot of top 10 lists by the end of the well, year. Well, so here's the thing, Eric. I don't want to upset you. The official release date is uh, Christmas 2020. Yes. Yeah. I was like, Are I'm actually super annoying. Me, like, bro? They're just fucking up the list now. God damn it. I don't know. We, we can count it. I'm just kicking this into 2021. At this All right, point. let's yeah. do it. All right, Joe. I'm going to need my list then. All right, guys. Yeah. Uh, let's do it. Take a quick break. And then do some fan mail. It began in the outer reaches of the universe. They're coming! An alien war that spread throughout the galaxies. Now, the final battle has landed in the brown backyard. Critters, check them out at a theater before they check you out at home. Critters. Rated PG-13. Critters opening soon at a theater near you. Greetings from Tromaville. This is Lloyd Kaufman, president of Troma Entertainment and creator of the Toxic Avenger. The Troma team likes to kick back and listen to Bloody Good Horror because Bloody Good Horror is the best television there is. Caitlin, <clears throat> Eric, I hear you were taken to task by your task by your uh, podcast co-host last week for your. Uh, do you want to do you want to make up for that now? 
I do. So yeah, our, our buddy Danny, uh, I had talked about how we're approaching episode 800. I have not been on all 800 episodes, by the way. Danny's been doing this with many co-hosts over the years. And uh, you had asked how Thor's Hour of Thunder has more episodes than Bloody Good Horror. Um, so Danny sent me this statement to read. It says, Eric, you wondered how Thor's Hour of Thunder is approaching 800th episode next month. Yeah. We have been around 11 years, so less time than Bloody Good Horror. But there were several years where I basically lived the life of the lead character in Grandma's Boy and had too much free time <laughs> and somehow convinced my co-host to review three movies a week and release three episodes a week. Wild, dude. Mm. That's some shit. So, Impressive. Yeah. Danny's a champion. We love him. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Awesome. That's like the yeah the podcast Iron Man. Yeah, that's some hardcore really? stuff right there. Very true. Uh, how can people uh, hear your show? Okay, like what is that show? How can people find you? It is Thor's Hour of Thunder. Um, it's available on all your podcast apps, and uh, Danny is the host. We watch movies that we basically watch any movie that we want to. Sometimes it's new releases, but a lot of times it's movies that we think are underseen. Last week we did Southland Tales, which was two and a half hours of nonsense that I did not understand, but was explained to me on the podcast. So. Oh, that's, <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched that in full. That's Donnie Darko, dude, right? Yeah, It is, yeah. I have never seen, but I like You're, that. You'll, you'll be okay. I like that Donnie Darko. It's cool, man. Uh, all right, thank you for that. Info at bloodygoodhorror.com first up we got a note from Alyssa who runs our book club Alyssa says hello here's a book club update in honor of February being women in horror month the patrons got to choose between four horror novels written by women and my personal favorite spooky tale of Frankenstein was chosen I can't wait to discuss this book with the book club as always uh, we can be found on Goodreads or through the BGH site and Twitter at BGH a book club Thank you, Alyssa. That's the way you can check that out. We've got a couple emails tonight. Uh, first up, John, this is where we try to see how much you remember from last week and if you ever listen back, which I know you don't. No, definitely don't. Paul says, I might remember some stuff. Paul says, John, mm. let me clarify. Eric was afraid you were going to say, quote, it's better to be a slave than to be dead. Don't fret over him, John. He's a he's but a common peasant. That is from Chipper Water. Paul. What the hell is that in reference I know. To? I don't... This was from a conversation we were having last week, Joe. You were there and in, in on my side, but uh -huh. uh, we were just wondering what John was going to say. That's all. Yeah. What was the conversation about, though? What was the... I don't remember. I just remember that. <laughs> I remember being uncomfortable. That's what I remember about it. Huh. All um, right. Yeah. So there you go. I remember the conversation, but yeah, it's all it's coming back to me. Last up, uh, Caitlin... Uh, Caitlin from Kissimmee. Mm. This movie felt like it was nine hours long. That's what Caitlin thinks about this movie. I didn't think so, actually. This might have actually been like near an hour 50, and I was yeah, pretty into it, it. So, breaking my, uh, breaking my thing here. <laughs> Joe. What, yeah. What do we, uh, got doing on the tweets? Uh, we got some tweets. We are on Twitter at bg horror we use the hashtag as bgh every week if you want to send in a question or just you know get to know us uh first up from <laughs> alex jones um this enraged me uh he sent it late late last week after we had already recorded but apparently he, he included a screenshot from uh i don't know some new show but 
people are using cameo now to uh send like breakup and divorce messages mm-hmm. um which you know i've been petitioning to to help people with this for for months now it was actually your original call to action like you yeah. were basically like, like let me all i want divorce but... your spouse for you so yeah i just said they stole your fucking idea uh i demand blood so yeah i appreciate it thank you for for giving credit where credit's due and again valentine's day is just around the corner so if you're looking to tell that special someone you love them uh maybe you want to try something new in the bedroom that you haven't before or maybe you just want to end things before you have to buy them a gift um cameo.com slash i think bg horror or bloody good horror i don't know just search bloody good horror and this is your livelihood it is honestly this has been amazing um i got an amazing one this week um from one of our listeners for um molly who is a um she is a doctor and i don't know how to explain what she does but pretty much she she deals with high risk pregnancies um and her boyfriend just asked to have like a really nice message sent to her and it was i got a little uh verklempt even uh in saying it because it was it was very special and you know i want to thank them and everyone that's that sent one in so uh Next up from uh, my my one admirer that I've ever had on the show, Deuce Ex Monte. Uh, I'm probably saying it wrong, but our friend Renee, uh, who recently joined Patreon also, in honor of their shared birthday, what is your favorite Dolly Parton song or Edgar Allan Poe story? Wait, Dolly Parton song or Edgar Allan Poe's? <laughs> yeah, I guess they, they share a birthday. Um, oh, yeah. Nine uh, to five. I'm a fan of, I like Jolene. Yeah, I mean... I like Hard Candy Christmas. That's going to be my favorite Dolly song. Uh-huh. And I don't know. I feel like you'd be hard pressed to find a Poe short story or poem or Dolly Parton song that wasn't great. Yeah. Well, there's some Poe stories I feel like that are like uh, eh, you know. fine. Yeah. But like the classics are really, really good. <laughs> my problem with Dolly Parton songs is like I, the, the, the ones you guys mentioned are great. Like every one of her songs is amazing. You hear it's, a song, yeah. it's like friggin' champion. I gotta say, for yeah. me, uh, here you come again. Like, if that doesn't just make you feel good, like nothing will. Or Islands in the Stream with Kenny Rogers, like yeah, that's a classic too. That's yeah. as close wow. to perfection. I had the pleasure of seeing them live at the Knickerbocker Arena what? when I was uh, in my, my Knickerbocker team. Arena. Kaylin, you're familiar <laughs> with the Knickerbocker Arena, right? Yeah. Uh, all right, Beard eighty one dad. That's our friend Jason. At which Patreon level do I get to see Caitlin's college PowerPoint presentation? <laughs> yeah, I saw this. Can we make that happen? Oh, I've blocked out a lot of those memories, but yeah. I'll, I'll pull it back out. Uh, next up from, speaking of uh, Joe on Slack, uh, PS Trophy Hunter. What is your favorite album from 1998, and why is it Akinemini? I never say it right. Uh, the Aquem- Aquemini? Aquemini. Gemini. It's like Gemini. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's I think Eric's right. God damn it. Yeah. Right, I'm looking up 1998 uh, albums right now. Oh, uh, easy, easy. The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Done. It's the best mm-hmm. album that year. For me, it has to be uh from the Choir Girl Hotel by Tori Amos. I'm looking at a Tori Amos prayer candle right now. Oh which wow. Is, <laughs> yeah. It's it's dude, what a year for music. So uh garbage released version 2.0. Celebrity whole Eric, release celebrity scan. This is what scan. we were doing when your internet went out for a second. Uh, there, we were looking at the DMX. <laughs> it's dark and Caitlin, hell is hot. That's a good one. Caitlin, how many like Lilith Fair vests do you own? Like if- <laughs> <laughs> so many. <laughs> so many. Uh, Hard Knock Life came out that year. This is great. I mean, it was a, I'm going this was a good year. Yeah, man. 
right. John, did you pick one? Yeah. So I'm going to go. Are you guys familiar with Neutral Milk Hotel in an airplane? Uh, over the for fuck's sake. Of course, yeah. John. Of yeah. course. <laughs> my, backup, oh. my backup was Moon Safari. I'm sorry. Hellbilly Deluxe came out that year. Yeah, sure did. Uh, <laughs> I'm going with Hello Nasty. Mm. Oh, and I, 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 I go ahead, Joe. But I also got a last laugh at John's because I just watched the uh, Parks and Rec episode last night where April liked Neutral Milk Hotel more than Mouse Rat and her feelings. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joe, I do not say this ironically, but Devil Without a Cause also came out that year. Yeah. <laughs> well, thing. at the time, now it's different. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we can I, I, we I can delineate. Uh, if I was going to pick one, I would go botch, uh, American Nervoso. I'm probably saying the name. Honestly, but... I, I still listen to that Lauren Hill album. It's pretty amazing. Oh, it's great. It's very good. Um, I don't know. There's a story behind it and I don't know if it's great, but, uh, oh, you know, uh, CeCe's husband, uh, they did an episode on that album and it is very good to dig their podcast. Um, all right. Next up, Lovecraft Tapes. Besides The Sixth Sense, what horror movie ending twist did you never see coming and hit you like a ton of bricks? Oh, I sh- we should have looked at this one before. Yeah, I was, yeah. you gave us, you gave us the one. prep on the 1998. Also, to answer this, we're just, just straight up spoiling a bunch of movies people have maybe never seen. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could just like name a movie that has a twist at the end. I feel I'll like tell like you what. I'll tell you what. Saw. I saw the original Saw in theaters. That is a good-ass twist. Dude, I had no idea. That and somebody so stood up and was like yelling at the screen. Like there was only four people in the theater and one of these dudes lost his mind. Fair. Uh, oh, here's a good one from our buddy Adam, uh, attorney at space. In honor of um, PYW and the orchestral toxic cover, what is your favorite use of a song in a horror movie? Ugh. Eric's favorite is tiptoe through the tulips because mm. it makes the skin crawl. And I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know why this just came to mind because I did not like this movie, but the cure for wellness trailer used that sedated, like slowed down sedated cover and made mm-hmm. that movie look mm-hmm. really good. And then it was just like poopy, but the, the trailer <laughs> was really cool. Um, I really liked DMX uh, party up in the Ghostbusters remake. That was fun. <laughs> one. Yeah. Oh, oh, I got, th- I got this. Uh, Red right hand and scream. Classic. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I really. What's the the year next? Uh, looking for the magic yes. at yeah, the beginning. Yeah, that's that, was yeah that was a good one too. John, you got some obscure uh, nah. fart fart smelling band you want to mention? <laughs> I, I do not. I, I actually don't. I, this is another one I would have had to prep for, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite live album of all time? Uh, Blues the, Brothers. Guns N' Roses double live album they put out. That's a good one. I'll go Last Waltz. I'll be Ooh. real with you. I don't actually love live albums, though. I prefer no, the I studio stuff. not a big fan either. Although, not good. I did listen to Metallica's live shit, Binge and Purge, <laughs> like on repeat for about three years when it uh, came out. Is it so. live shit, Binge and Purge? Or no, it's live? Yeah, I think so. You gotta go with uh, again Tori Amos still orbiting, which came out. <laughs> I love this. I love Venus and Mac. I love that we're learning. I love that we're learning things about Caitlin. Here. If you had had a Tori Amos answer for that other question, I would have. Yeah. Like, really, I would have bowed. <laughs> <laughs> Salute. Uh, all right, Library of Congress. Uh, it is so much fun having Caitlin on. Exclamation point. It's true. I was excited to see she would be on again this week. Another exclamation point. 
Uh, I don't have a question. Just wanted to encourage more Caitlin on the show. No punctuation whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) He's a man after your own heart, Joe. Yeah. Joe, you know what? uh, First of all, I think we can oblige you there. Joe, you know what else came out in 1998? Was that god-awful album that Snoop Dogg released that Master P produced? Ugh. I got it. Like, I'll be honest. Doggy Style is a great album, but outside of that, Snoop, not, it not was, my favorite. It's, it's only really when he's worked with Dre. Yeah. 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 Although I, I, I play that yeah. reggae album an embarrassing amount. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I think he gets a lot of credit for that one album. I don't know. Uh, sensual seduction slash sexual eruption, depending on which version you listen to, is, is I don't know a jam. what that is, but apparently I need to listen to it. Yeah, I will. I will give it a go. And yeah, to be fair, like I haven't given a lot right. of his stuff uh, a fair chance. But uh, Robel, at what point do you go from promising young to old and useless? About uh, forty-seven. Mm. Mm. I can only speak for personally. I mean, like I think I'm, get, I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's younger for women because of some sort of terrible standard, but yeah. I'm approaching. I'm sure. Absolutely. You stop and caring. I remind you stop. Leslie on a daily basis. You know what though? You stop. <laughs> you stop giving a fuck, which is kind of freeing. If I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah. You just start watching Adam Sandler movies again. Right. That that is your version of that, Joe. It's not mine, but I respect <laughs> yeah. it. Like I feel like you get. I've given this rant on this show uh, like a hundred times at this point. But like at a certain point, you just start watching Adam Sandler and appreciating Will Smith songs. Like it's just when you don't care anymore what people think, it's very freeing. And you can get Big Willie style. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> Welcome to Miami is, a, I think, a bop, the kids would say, or a, a, a beep or a, a slap. <laughs> uh, Andy at Midnight, that's, uh, that's our, our good friend, Andy. Can the crew fantasy cast who would play your parents in the movie about your lives? Oh, God. Didn't we do this? Brown I thought we brought, did this. Brought the heat this time. I, I thought we did I this. Signed up for that. We did yeah. this last week. I thought. Did we? No, we didn't. No, do this. We, didn't do this. we did. Who would play us? So what are we? So what are we doing? Now it's who your would parents. play our parents? Oh. I think I same oh. answer from last week. Conan O'Brien would play my father, and Amy Sedaris would play my I mother. Think, is Bob Hoskins dead? Because he looks a lot like my dad. Yeah. No, he's. I'm pretty sure he's dead. <laughs> I was gonna say. Um, who, who was it? it was Elijah Wood for you? Just like in a like with like a gray beard situation. Nah, something. he's too he's too um like uh thin though. Like my dad is is a not a he's, thin. Your gentleman. dad's not that bad. I mean, I no, haven't seen he's he's he's, he's an old he's a normal old dude. Like Elijah Wood weighs ninety five pounds wet. I don't think you need to pick like people that look like your parents. I think the idea is just who do you you feel like would represent you? Anybody? Well. I just uh, wanted to underline the Eric Elijah Steve, Wood connection. Steve Buscemi done. I don't know. I, I just first. Well, thing my remember. mom does look like Meryl Streep, so that's going to be my answer. Awesome. What? Mm-hmm. Get she her. Does, she doesn't like here. when people say that. Get her out of here. But she does. She's beautiful. All right. Anybody else? My mom's a kind of like a combo between Mary Poppins and Betty White. So no. that's the best I can come up with. All right. We'll jump over to Instagram. Uh, we're on what a bloody good horror. I think we're the full thing. Uh, every Tuesday we post up. You can send in questions. We enjoy ourselves. Uh, first up, from our good friend who refuses to use the form, my head hurts and today has been blah. But how can I skip a week now? How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? There is a correct answer. I Googled it. Huh. 
I don't know. What's it's your favorite? Be like several hundred, right? I I couldn't tell you. I, don't I mean, think I guess it matters as long it. as it's orange. As you long ever, as it's orange. Yeah, that's you the best hear, one. I think it was Little Kim, right? That uh, how many licks that song she had? <laughs> like that, I, probably, but I don't remember the just. Answer foul john and <laughs> i have it on my running playlist and like oh sometimes john you like blush when you're running is oh, more than that, john like I, the blood rushes to nether regions and i have to stop <laughs> that's why i have to run at 5 a.m john because nobody else is out there and like i'm running with a, a <laughs> oh my god no, there's you. like deer yeah, and woodland creatures Joe, I just hope you're using a lot of body glide. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my Lord. Uh, all right. And then on to our regular questions. Knights or ninjas? Ninjas. Knights. Probably ninjas. Unless they're the knights from Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, because they're cool as shit. No, those like are nice. Yeah, I would ghost, go knights, too. Because they're like ghost knights, and that's pretty cool. Um, can you explain the movie Tenant to me? No, I haven't seen yeah. it. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it. I no joke. I got a notification that I was at the library, like waiting for me to pick up, and I just didn't had it like have it in me. Uh, I'm not in like the headspace to be able to deal with this, so I just I, let it go. I did just rewatch Boogie Nights, though. If anybody wants me to explain that to them, that's pretty Ooh. good. It was real weird. It was a real hard swing. Like a, seeing, I don't think there was much left. Like on. <laughs> yeah. no, no, not at all. It was a real hard swing seeing Alfred Molina in that, and then this like back to back. Uh, how many free hours of AOL do you think were on all those CD-ROMs? Ooh, I don't know, but I saw this. And did you know that there's like a whole community of people that collect those things? Like collect really? them like they're movies or something? Huh. Yeah, like there are people that are like, I have every single AOL disc that was ever released. Mm-hmm. Right. It's crazy. That's, that's, Nostalgia that's is so... a weird thing, is what I'm saying. Well, it's like, important I don't... to have a hobby. Yeah, I don't <laughs> right. in general make fun of people's like pastimes, but I think that is a safe bet. <laughs> Uh, you see Dunkaroos are back? No, but, that's no, cool. but I saw they made some Into beers it. with uh, Dunkaroos, didn't they? Yeah, I've it's seen it. Yeah, yeah I, maybe someone posted on Slack. I definitely saw what Casey's referring to. Yeah, Dunkaroos or something like that. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a frosting kind of person. Oh, my God. I would live on frosting. <laughs> you know what, Schnars? We could split a cake very well then. I remember <laughs> when, I was a, when I was a teenager, somebody introduced me to the, the idea of dipping like animal crackers and cake frosting. And I was like, how have I not just lived off of this my whole life? <laughs> it's real decadent. Because <laughs> uh, unlike a piece of cake, you know when to stop. Like you don't know when to stop when you're just eating right out of the fr- I didn't frosting. I know where we're still going. You know what I mean? <laughs> I have thoughts on this. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, in your opinion, what movie gets better with repeat viewings? Oh, Halloween or <laughs> best movie ever um made. my favorite movie is drop dead gorgeous i know casey's seen it the uh, 1999 Kirstie oh Alley. yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, i've seen it i'm gonna eat a bag of litter donuts the best and really doesn't hold up in a lot of ways <laughs> but still great. yeah yeah my actual answer is the departed because i've seen that movie like 40 times and there's a lot of shit going on i, I caitlin saw i expounded on my theory on slack about what's going on in the department i was gonna say is are you just saying that because it's fresh because Alyssa was talking about it well no but but it really is a movie that i've seen it like every time i see it i notice something else 
like subtle kind of going on under the hood, which you don't notice at first because it's also a very like cranked up to 11 in your face movie. Uh, I feel like I would, all the movies I've seen multiple times are almost exclusively comedies mm, and like, yeah. you know, I mean, they all get better to a certain extent, but yeah, yeah. they don't. Well, my don't answer was going to be better, Animal House. Like, yeah. You enjoy them. Yeah. Just as much. <laughs> I think Leslie and I, every once in a while we'll put on, um, what's that one? We like cabin in the woods and like that one. I feel like I always pick up on something new. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Here's favorite cereal. Honey bunches. Oh man, I do enjoy honey bunches of notes, but probably uh, Lucky Charms would be my go-to. Oh, so See, I don't think I've ever like, very. My kids eat cereal every fucking morning. It's like all they eat for breakfast, and so we don't keep like super sugary cereals in the house. Yeah, I see. So either, like, but... my my list would be the same. Like I would, it would be like Lucky Charms, like Cocoa Pop, like all yeah. of that shit. I don't like I don't eat cereal at all, but I've never flipped my shit for any food more than when on the rare occasion when my mom would buy Cookie Crisp when I was a kid. I would lose my goddamn mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's pretty remember, good. Uh, oh. One day for like a date night surprise, I went to the store and got a big thing of almond milk and just like six boxes of the like most fun cereals. And my oh. boyfriend got home and I was like, let's go. And it was the best date <laughs> idea I've ever had. So. That is really good. I'm a big oh. fan of Raisin Brain Crunch. Yeah. Casey. That's the most depressing answer ever. Casey. <laughs> hey, you get up there. You need that brand, man. <laughs> <laughs> But like your favorite? Listen, we're not talking about it's favorite good. fiber content. That only could have been worse if you had said grape nuts. Like <laughs> nobody likes grape nuts, dude. No, well, the one I eat the most either, definitely honey nut Cheerios, which are delicious. Do you remember? They are good. The know. only problem is they smell like urine when you put them in. Oh milk. yeah, hundred percent. Remember, uh, remember O's like honey O's or something? Those are really funny. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I find Ron Mal. From the group Sparks, amusing. Do you have a random celebrity find amusing? What? First of all, big. I went back and forth with uh, Paul. Is the guy who sent this in? I love Sparks. Like they make me so happy. They're so weird. They've been around for like forty years and still like is. super crazy. I don't know. What that um, is. Steve Martin is my like. He just makes me happy. Yeah. I don't know if I have a good one. I, I feel like I'm pretty captivated by florence pugh's uh instagram presence i don't know who that oh is. oh my god her she's a chick so from midsummer I, th- yeah. I think i uh, brought okay. this up on the show before but like florence pugh's instagram is a ray of light in a cold dark world she yeah. is amazing yeah. during like when, when quarantine started she started doing like cooking things but mm-hmm. it would be on her story oh, they'd like be like that. 400 things long she was also, uh, she had an advent, a chocolate advent calendar for Christmas, and I would just get on Instagram and watch her eat her little piece of chocolate every day. So I guess Florence Pugh is truly my answer, because that's oh. a strange obsession. That's nice. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, John, I requested uh, Suze's input on this one. Should I watch Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? Uh, is it the distraction I'm looking for? Yeah, I mean, so I didn't get, like, I, I don't need her to tell me everything she thinks. I said to Joe, though. You don't you don't need no, your no, wife's she, input she, on what her opinion is. I get it, John. She, <laughs> loves, she loves it. She's watched the whole thing. She's, like, yeah. totally up speed. I was saying to Joe, I think it's the most horrifying version of Real Housewives. Because, like. Debatable. I, well, they've just gone to this, like, extreme. Like, first of all, it's, they're, like, redneckier looking. Like, they, like they're 
outfits and just like their behavior. See, I don't know. I didn't like stay sit and watch all of it, but I was like pretty taken aback. And then so I'm like walking through the room and Suzanne's like, oh yeah, well that's that one. She's married to her grandfather. So, you know, that's what's going on with her. And I was just like, what? Yeah. what? Like, what? Yeah. Well, it's, I not think even, it's not so much she's married to her grandfather, but like her grandmother in her will left her her fortune and everything, but then also stipulated that she wants her to marry her grandfather so she can take care of him. So he's not blood, right? Like this is a, you know, they're remarried or whatever, but yeah. All right. No, Joe, just tell us how this is good. Tell us how this is cool. Oh, it's not, (laughs) it's not, but um, yeah. Yeah. I'm very pro. I mean, this is the first season. It's um, it's, it came out pretty strong out the gate. So, and first, there's this is the first. So I've found Housewives attractive on other seasons, but this is the first one where there is one that like legitimately just fits in my mold of a uh, you know the curves are in all the right places, John. So this is a uh, probably I, one of my favorites. Yeah, we might need to take this offline. I want to know which one you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I only saw a couple, and I was like, uh, what's going on here? Well, I mean, if you, we've we've discussed my my turn ons and turn offs, John. Like, I think no, no, you could probably guess pretty quickly. I can't think of her name off the top of my head, which is why I'm having trouble. Might be Heather. Might be Heather. Right, I'll, I'll look into it, Joe. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, and then I think this might be the last one, but last but not least, and this isn't a question. I just kudos uh, a tip of the cap. Uh, from our same friend who refuses to use the form. Wait, is this where I'm supposed to ask my question? She's a good one. Yeah. Uh, and that is it for Instagram. Love it. Well, it's going to do it then for uh, a promising young woman. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to check out um, Thor's Hour of Thunder colon the podcast on all your podcast apps and um yeah thanks caitlin for joining us heather gay heather gay john that's uh that's my one (laughs) i don't uh i don't think we've discussed what we're gonna do next week and i'm not even gonna bring it up because who the hell knows what's happening so we're just gonna Mm -hmm. enjoy enjoy the day john um so yeah hope you enjoy the show we'll talk to you next week see you bye goodbye everybody bye bye